Hey guys, um, just introducing you to a uh, another professional development topic called professionalism. And this is a conversation that Dr. Combs, Dr. Witten, and myself had on an article that Dr. Combs brought to us. I just wanted to say the disclaimer is that the views and opinions of this uh, podcast is of our own um, and not uh, related to uh, of the opinions of TCU and THSC School of Medicine. And uh, I hope you have a happy time listening to this. Thank you. So now finally, we, we asked Shanna. Shanna um, um, sent out this awesome article um, on um, um, professionalism. And so um, Shanna, tell us about this article that you chose and, um, and, and kind of why, and how is this relevant to, to us? Why, why should we care? about professionalism in med ed, like, so what, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Uh, no, I, I think this is, you know, basically we already know that studies have shown that uh, students or physicians later in life who have issues with the medical board um, and patient complaints and litigation, um, if you actually go back to their medical school records, you will see documentation of professionalism issues. So I think it's a huge issue um, in medical education because if we don't uh, address it in medical education, those are the same people um, who become physicians down the road who have problems with professionalism. Um, so yeah, super important. Um, and so one of um, so one of the concerns that we often have in med ed and um, us who teach students is what we call the kind of the kicking the can down the road. Um, so basically students, we may see a problem as a teacher, but we're like, eh, somebody else will take care of it or, oh, the next group will address it. Um, it's, it's not really my problem. And unfortunately what tends to happen is we do kick the can down the road and, and never address it and then end up um, with some professional professionalism issues, either in their residency or even once they're in practice. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I do think, you know, like I say, like this is one course, LIC one is one course or the, your clerkship is one course, but you have these 61 teachers mm -hmm. and really we rely on you. You're right there at the point of learning. So, um, uh, we, you know, we, we sometimes get to go to other places and talk LIC. And I think a couple of years ago we went to Canada and there's this, um, physician, Adina Callet out of NYU Langone. And, you know, her career has really been, um, um, uh, focused on how do you remediate professionalism in med ed? It's, it's quite difficult to do, but, um, she talks a lot about judgment and courage. She wants to, um, empower, uh, um, medical teachers to, to have the courage to make the judgment, you know, um, even defining professionalism, it can be fraught. Um, Shanna shared this article. It's a, it's a, um, New England journal, uh, medicine and society article. It talks about responding to unprofessional behavior by trainees. And it says, um, you know, basically um, um, approaching using a just culture framework, like a, a med error kind of framework. All of these issues, they're not easy. Um, but I, I think um, when you think about kind of like degrees of the, the lapses in professionalism, I think we can all agree it's, it's, a, it's a scale or like a spectrum, you know? Um, and so, uh, of course, if you have concerns, you can always reach out to us, but we'd also want to empower you to address things like, you know, always five minutes late, 
you know, don't, don't hold that in. That can be a source of like, you know, resentment. I know I would be mad if oh, you know, I'm showing up 10 minutes early and then you're, you know, you're there five minutes late and, you know, but also I think the whole just culture um, approach to this is also, you know, approaching from, um, from this idea of with empathy, like, you know, with, with curiosity, right. A lot of times there's a story, there's always going to be a story behind, um, what, what, what these things are happening or are happening. So, um, so I actually, I have a little case I wanted to like bring to my two, um, wise uh, colleagues here. So, um, cause I was thinking about this. So, you know, um, this is just a, what if, you know, what if you had a student, you know, and a, and a, a preceptor and, um, you know, in LAC, we acknowledge that everybody's schedules are busy. So, you know, what if you had a student preceptor and um, we want every session is mandatory. If, you know, they don't go, they have to make it up. And so what if you, if you as the clerkship director found out that um, um, it's a new preceptor and the student didn't go, they just didn't go to a session. And it really wasn't like the student told you, you know, I'm having trouble contacting the preceptor. You just found out the student didn't go um, to the session. So we're like, you know, thinking about this, um, this sort of um, professionalism and, you know, where would you put that behavior and how would you approach that? And so maybe it's like, we're now like a, a, a couple, we're like a couple months down the road or maybe a month down the road and it that's past, right? So what would you do if you found out they just didn't show up, nobody told you about it, but here you go, you got this information. What do you do? They fail. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, you, I think you definitely have to do some information gathering. Um, so, you know, and I think you have to reach out to both parties. You can't just reach out to just the student or just the preceptor. I think you have to kind of reach out to both. So reach out to the preceptor, see if the students ever contacted them, what's going on. Maybe the preceptor, for whatever reason, something happened and they aren't available to precept anymore. Um, and then on the flip side, touching base with the student, um, you know, this is a requirement for the course, you have not completed this, what's going on, and maybe they've called the preceptor 20 times and it turns out they had the wrong phone number, um, uh, situations like that. So I think before you can do anything, you have to investigate the why um, and then address it from there. Um, yeah. I think the concerning issue would be if they were like, well, I just didn't think it was that important, so I didn't go, that, that's a different framework. Yeah. Um, and, and or what about, I had a test. I just couldn't, I had to study. I had to study for my OSCE. Yeah. So that happened. No. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it did, did happen. I agree with Shannon. I mean, like, I think we'll have to investigate, right? We figure out, right. We're not going to uh, make assumptions, right? We just have to know the details of it. But once we know the details, you, we need to address it. Mm. Right. Um, it, it would be easy enough, I think, for preceptors or even us sometimes to be like, oh, it's just one time uh, it happened and uh, they're not going to make that mistake again. And I'm going to tell them uh, or maybe we're like, oh, they'll learn from this or, hey, listen, this must be too much for them. They're just a, you know, first year medical student. What do they know? Uh, they don't know how serious this is. How are they ever going to know how serious this job is unless we tell them? Right. There is no way to know it. And, uh, you know, all of these articles are, are written for a purpose, right? They're a purpose written so that we can actually address it and make sure that we're going to be able to follow through on what needs to be done when it needs to be done. 
so um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, from what you were saying, Susan, uh, mm -hmm. it sounds like if the student was really purposely, it's, it's almost to a remediate discipline type situation, right? Um, regardless, I mean, of course you will listen to the information but that information was not relayed by the student how it was by protocol, right? Like yeah. we, as, as a director, you did not receive the information the student did not attend this class or course or whatever, mm -hmm. right? So um, I, we should not hesitate to be a little bit more uh, demanding of the student uh, in keeping those expectations. Um, and that's where the empowerment happens. Uh, I think the preceptors all are super empowered by us. We want them because the eyes and ears are at the boot level, right? Like they're on the, you know, taking care of the student and there's no way we're going to know those small flaws, even as small as they may be at five minutes late or, you know, um, even, you know, small things. Uh, yeah. What? Not introducing themselves to the patient mm -hmm. as they walk in is a is something that needs counseling right coaching right. right that's a coaching level it's not okay you're gonna fail if you don't say your name right but it is something that needs coaching so yeah the, the big picture is we want great doctors at the end of four years yeah. and we're not going to get there without everyone's help in the very beginning exactly yeah exactly yeah and that's where i would say is as a preceptor is is you're, you're not quote unquote, just a preceptor or, uh, you know, just a half day with a student, you know, you're a faculty. So, you know, all of our preceptors are appointed faculty with the School of Medicine and, you know, you're a professor. So you're either assistant associate or full professor. And so, you know, kind of take that title and, and put a little pride in it. And, you know, I'm, look, I'm your professor, I'm your teacher, and I'm here to tell you that your behavior is, is unacceptable and this is what you need to do to improve upon it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and really kind of own that educator role. I think, I think sometimes with clinical teaching, it's, it's a little easier to be like, oh, well, it's not really my responsibility, but you know, if we don't all kind of take a, a little piece of that ownership of each student, then I think we're going to end up kicking the can and not, and not allow the student to grow. Um, yeah. think of it as an opportunity to, you're allowing that student to grow because you're recognizing a behavior that, that needs to be improved upon. You know, yeah. one, one more thing I would say is that as you're, um, you know, thinking about it and you're talking to the student, just document it in skills of all or just like yeah. record it or somehow narrate it because it's not to be punitive, right? It's really just to, when you're doing your evaluation at the very end, right, um, as you're, you're going through, it would also give you a point to correct you know, they corrected that behavior after I told them. Mm -hmm. That's a positive thing, exactly. right? It's not to say it's negative. At the moment, it's negative. But a week or two later, it's positive because they never did that mistake again. Yeah. That means that learner is listening to you and learning from you. So, so mm -hmm. documentation is not negative always, right? right. You learn from it. So that's for your own benefit also so that you can remember things point in time. Yeah, yeah. totally. I also in this article, and I'll include in the newsletter for the whole group, but I loved, you know, a lot of times we think of like professionalism as some individual 
kind of character sort of problem, right? They that you know it's just but I but they also talk about is the function of multiple factors within the learning environment, you know, and so um, and this, there's so much to to unpack here, but like I know we talk about psychological safety, you know, having empathy, respecting, you know, the everybody engaged in a relationship and. And I think there, there's also though this balance, you know, we want continuity and mentorship. And so we have to balance the closeness of mentorship and, you know, wanting to be, you know, wanting to be liked and wanting to be um, there for the student um, with the distance of assessment. And ultimately, you know, it is, it is the being there for the student is also, um, you know, being engaged enough to, to address when there's a lapse in professionalism, you know, so what is it tough love I don't know but um, <laughs> I, I would even say it's you know it's true mentorship mentorship is not just when you do well mentorship is you know when you're not doing well and what you can do to improve and then hopefully either you've written it down or you remember that and you know say in a month's time you know when you first started you were having problems really getting here on time and um, you know, not coming prepared to the session. And I've really noticed some growth and development over time. Um, but again, the student can't do that unless you've taken the opportunity to tell them, you know, there's, there's ways you can do better. Yeah, totally. So I also, um, I, I, I love, um, you know, for me, sometimes I need, I need some categories. And um, I picked up from some talk I went to about this stuff. Um, they talk about categorizing unprofessional behavior in kind of four big boxes. One would be like dishonest behaviors, um, failure to engage um, type of behaviors, disrespectful behaviors, and then self-awareness behavior. So I'll also include this in the newsletter, but that, that just looking at that kind of helped. Um, sometimes it can be intimidating, you know, when you're kind of thinking about these behaviors, but even like um, putting it in a box and then Shanna's article about sort of the, the levels of lapses in professionalism and, and kind of strategies on how to address. It, I think it was just a, a nice um, faculty development topic. So thank you, Shanna, so much for putting this on the radar and, um, and uh, for uh, being on, on this podcast. And I know as um, LIC2 kicks off and um, um, there will be more from Shanna here. So rock on. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Shanna. All right. So um, anything else from the Grupo before we conclude? No. If anyone else has other articles they want to share, just uh, bring it this way, too. It's nice to have these discussions because, you know, it's also shapes on how we can also evaluate our students. Right. Um, the big four buckets versus, you know, looking at it in words of medical error maybe offers a little bit of a different a way or view for the students because they're like, oh, it's not I'm dishonest. It's really, um, it, you know, human error or, you know, at-risk behavior, you know, like something different uh, for them to look at um, and put those words in mind. Okay, this sounds more professional um, uh, yeah. to me. And it's it's something I can, I can change, right? It's not my character, I guess, mm -hmm. to say yeah. the least, right? It's, it's a little yeah. bit different than my character flaw. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. <laughs> Hopefully, we doctors are not supposed, they're not born dishonest. <laughs> doctors have no room for dishonesty in their, <laughs> in their profession. It's unfortunately a, a very honest profession. 
Sadhu is a very optimistic one, I think, out of this group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully, Sadhu. Hopefully. Truth. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, my friends. Well, that's it for us. Thanks for joining. All right. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.